Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open your word uh, for a few moments here, as we continue to share in the music ministry, uh, may our hearts be drawn to you, may we look to you, and may your word uh, allow us to love you more, to serve you better. If there be a person here who does not know Christ as Savior, may you use your word to draw them today to salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our recent trip to uh, Southeast Asia, we did visit, of course, uh, many places. And some of the places we visited, uh, particularly one area of Indonesia, there were several uh, Hindu shrines, temples. And as part of the tourist-type things you see there, and are reminded of, uh, especially in the Bible world, the uh, propensity of the uh, number of uh, temples, shrines, Idols that were just such a part of their world. We know in the Old Testament that uh, God had a tabernacle and later the permanent temple, often referred to as the house of the Lord. Today, when we think of the word house of the Lord, what do you think of? Uh, sometimes in our histories, we've referred to our church. We've talked about God's house. I think we all remember uh, that famous sermon that Pastor Gary gave when he, he announced that when people said, uh, don't run in church, that he came to the theological conclusion that he was the church running, right? Because he is the church, okay? Don't run in God's house. And uh, sometimes we've had some discussion about this, you know, some people, we ref- always refer to this as our sanctuary. And there was a time when some felt like, no, that's, that sounds too holy, like there's something special about this building. Let's call it the auditorium. It never quite stuck. We still call it the sanctuary. And I think we all understand, this is not the building where God is contained. But when we do gather like this for worship, God is with us in a special way. And we think today, where does God dwell? Where is God's dwelling place? I'd like you to open your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. As we continue to read through our New Testament together, uh, somebody was looking for some of the reading guides and we ran out again, which is good because you keep taking them and giving them to friends and so on. We'll get some more, we'll get some more printed, but in the meantime, if you want to know where we are, you can go to Project 345 in your, on the internet and you will find the reading schedule there as well. And we are doing the New Testament. Of course, we encourage you to read the entire Bible together, but specifically the New Testament. And each week as we preach, we are selecting a passage. This past week, and very appropriate to today's service, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And I want you to notice this phrase there, let the word of Christ dwell in you. 
It's actually, you know, we talk sometimes about the word dispensation, the economia, the idea of house management. Oikos is the word for house. And this is kind of an unusual combination of indwell, dwell in. And, of course, the idea is that, you know, I dwell in my house. I visit your homes, and you visit my home, and I feel at home in your homes, and you feel at home in my home. But... I dwell in my house in a different way than I dwell if I come to your house. It's my home. And there's something about our home, whether it's an apartment, whether it's a room you rent, it's in your family's house, um, it's, a, it's a house, whatever it is, it, it's your home and you dwell there. You're at home there. And there's, a, and there's a certain feeling in your own home that is just different from any other home. Isn't that true? It's your home. And sometimes maybe as you go away and come back, and you come back to your home. There's a specialness about that. And that's the idea here that, that Paul tells the Colossian church, let the word of Christ be at home in you. And as we read Colossians and Ephesians, and we mentioned this a few weeks back from Ephesians, I also want to remind you, sometimes we, because of our sort of individualistic culture, every time we see the word you, we focus on ourselves. Like when I see the word you, I think of Jim. Let the word of Christ dwell in Jim. And this is certainly true. But Paul is writing to a church. And I think we certainly can understand in this case, he is saying in your church, wherever they met, probably in someone's home, probably somebody in the church wealthy enough to have a large enough home they can meet in, that when you meet in that place, let the word of Christ dwell in you as a group, as a corporate body. That whenever we gather that the word of Christ should dwell in us. In this particular case, since they didn't really have New Testament scriptures yet, the word of Christ, I think, would be the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, but also the words of the apostles inspired by God as they spoke on behalf of God and spoke on behalf of the Lord, as the teachings that Paul gave to this church at Colossae as it has been revealed to him what God is doing, the, the, the church, the body of Christ, the message to the Gentile world. This is the word of Christ. And it's to dwell in them. The word of hope, the word of comfort, the word of consolation, the word of encouragement, the word of doctrine, and understanding. Let it be at home in you. And I want you to notice in this particular uh, passage, now how your translation sort of punctuates this might affect how you read this. And it is open for discussion, but I would like to tell you what I, my conclusion, what I think. When he says here, verse 16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Um, I, would take the, I would take the comma out of there, the NIV has. That as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as the word and is really not in the original text. It has to be added to, for this translation. I think it's better translated as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And this is so appropriate for our service today as our choir shares with us that I want to just remind you, and this is a brief, a shorter message today as we're allowing time for more music today. I want to remind you that in the early church, in the early church, one of the greatest vehicles they had for teaching was music. They did not have the written word yet. 
The Old Testament was available, but you have to remember the Old Testament was written on very large scrolls. People had portions of it. The Jews would, the Gentiles, the pagans wouldn't have it. For the most part, the scrolls, of course, were kept at the synagogue. But but they had the word in their heart. They had portions of it. The New Testament was just... We don't even know if the Gospels... It doesn't appear the Gospels had really circulated widely yet, at least as a group. They may have had collections of the sayings of Christ and so on, but probably didn't have the Gospel of Luke or Matthew or John in their hands. Mark may have begun to circulate. So they didn't, they had the word of the apostles. They had the teaching from, from, from the apostles and from the, in, in the, in the, in the miraculous way in which the Holy Spirit inspired and gave them teaching. And we know, and it appears in Paul's writings, as he be, there are places where you'll notice in your reference note, he appears to kind of quote a, what they think was a Christian hymn or poem type of thing. And so what's happening is they are using music to communicate the Word of God. And I think that's exactly what Paul is saying. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's, this is a, a, a very expressive word. Let it dwell in you richly. As you gather, you as a group, and you teach and admonish one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I just want to encourage you this morning to remember that the music ministry from the very beginning of the, of the Christian church, is a very important ministry. One of the things that we, of course, try to emphasize and maintain, that what the choir is doing today is not entertaining to us. They, they practice, and they are good. They're a good choir. They work hard. But they are not here to entertain you. Any of our musicians that come and share, and I appreciate all of you who share in the music ministry, and our young people here, we have a great group of young people, and as they, they come and they share in the music. And one of the things that Kevin and the youth leaders, we, try, we teach them to understand, they are not up here to entertain. They're not here to draw focus to themselves. They are here to share in ministry. And our young people understand this. And we see this in their lives as they come and share in the ministry in the way that they do it. Our ministry of music is a very important ministry. Now, I want to draw your attention just quickly it's a couple things. First of all, we see in this scripture here, as we gather and share music, our music should be based on scripture. The scripture is the touchstone. Touchstone. Touchstone would be a good one for music today, wouldn't it? But touchstone is the touchstone for all the Christian music that we present and share. That does not mean that every song has to be a verbatim recitation of Scripture. But it does mean that when we share music, that the ideas behind it and the things that are shared, we, we may put them in our own words, but they are based on our understanding of God's Word. And one of the unique things about Christian music is that it is based on Scripture, and it always has been. And you'll notice here that Paul says it is an important vehicle for teaching God's truth. And this is why we encourage you and encourage one another to to listen to the words, to think about them, to take them home with you. It is and always has been a significant part of our teaching. When you don't when you're in a situation where you don't have scripture or you didn't have scripture, what comes to your mind? Isn't it so often music? There's something about music that helps us remember, isn't it? 
I almost thought today of, but I didn't want to ruin the you know service, but I could play little jingles of uh, advertisements. I can remember from the kid, I could hear three or four notes of an advertisement from when I was a kid, and I can tell you what the product is. I could hear the introduction to a couple of uh, songs. I won't tell you what they are, but there's, you know, I, it comes to my mind, and I can right away know that who sang that, and 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 I could and I could start singing. There's something about music that helps us to remember that that is a part of our emotional makeup that really helps us to remember. And so often, I, I know so many people I've talked to when they are no longer even able to read, or don't have, or they don't even feel like reading because of maybe the situation they're in. But the music comes to their mind and they can sing in their heart to God. Music is a very important part. Music should be scripture-based. And the songs the choir share with us today, the songs we sing are based on scripture and the truth that is taught in God's word. Music should be good. Music should be good. Sometimes we, you know... you know, I'm old enough now where I've seen some, some phases and music come and go. And you know what? Sometimes we wring our hands and worry about this song and that song. And I can pretty well tell you, the music that's not good is not going to last. There are some songs we sang when I was a teenager at their age in camp and so on. They were fun to sing and so on, but we don't sing them in church anymore. Um, the music that is good will last. The music that's not good It'll, it'll fade away. This is part of the process. But music should be good. God has gifted, spiritually gifted, people in the church from the very beginning in the area of music. Very fine music has been written. Very fine words have been written by people who are gifted. Music should be good. And that's why we try to have good music at our church to represent and to help us Focus on God and to worship God. Music should continue to be created. Music should be continued. When when did God withdraw the spiritual gift of music, of creating music? He has never done that. And music should continue to be created. Music is going to reflect the culture from which it is created. If you travel around the world and you visit Christians, as we did recently, and it was kind of interesting, especially in the Philippines, the impact of Western-style music. I've been to Africa, and I've been to you know, some other places in the world, and the music reflects the culture from which it comes. We have a culture. We have a modern culture. We live in a culture today. And music continues to be created. It will continue to reflect the culture from which it comes. Music is a gift from God. Music has an international flavor. It has a national flavor. We as an English-speaking church have a history and and a flavor to our music. But music should continue to be created. And we should never, ever get to the point where we say, we don't need the next generation to create music. We're all done. we got everything we need. It's this morning in our confirmation presentation. One of the questions had to do with the canon of Scripture, the guidelines for which indicated which books belong in our Bible. The canon of music continues to be developed. God has created and gifted people. Because of this, it is part of our story 
And that means that music that has been created throughout the ages, throughout the years, throughout our history as an English-speaking people as well, and in our particular history in America, we have music that is part of our story. And it should continue. It's part of who we are, and it should not be just discarded because it's old. It's part of our story. It was created by spiritually gifted people. And it seems to me, as we move ahead in our understanding of what God is doing, when you see those words, and we'll talk more about this tonight, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. As you study those words in the, in the Greek, but it's pretty, it's pretty clear cut. It's the word psalmus we get psalm from. Hymnus we get the word hymn from. And spiritual song is the word we get ode from, O-D-E. And as you study those, there are some different opinions. Some cut it very fine and say a psalm is this, a hymn is this, and a spiritual song is this. Psalms tending to reflect the psalms from the Bible. Psalms that David and Moses and others wrote that the Hebrews used in their worship and that naturally the early church adapted into their worship. But we know the Hebrews continued to write psalms. They weren't necessarily inspired part of Scripture, but during the intertestamental period, and, and we know from the Dead Sea Scrolls, they continued to write psalms. And it very well may be that the early church used the Old Testament psalms and also wrote psalms in the vein of those psalms. Hymns comes from the idea of a, of a praise to a god in the, in the Greek context. And the Christians certainly took music and wrote their own new music in a praise section in a praise type um, uh, uh, structure as a praise to God. And the word ode is really the word for songs. It might be more the, the songs you would hear in the street and in the marketplace. And that they took these, maybe he took some of these songs and put Christian lyrics to them and brought them into their worship. That is possible. Personally, rather than cut it too fine, I think we can say for sure that we take those three words together, hymns, psalms and spiritual songs and put them all together and we can say we cover the whole territory, we cover the whole spectrum of what was going on in the church in their music. Just as today we tend to use the word hymns, choruses, praise choruses, gospel songs, and we kind of have an idea of what we attach to each, but we put it all together, we have the entire spectrum. And I want to just tell you at our church, our commitment when it comes to our music ministry is we are committed to a, what we call a blended service where we feel that the music that has been part of our story for generations is important. We feel the music that is written in our lifetime and by spiritually gifted people today is important. And sometimes people might say, well, you're just trying to please everybody. We're not trying to please everybody. I'd like you to be pleased. Uh, we're just trying to make everybody happy. We're not trying to make everybody happy. I would like you to be happy. Are you happy? Are you happy? There's a church over in Juanita I drive by once in a while called the Happy Church. I like that title. Is it, did they change it? Oh, it's gone. Oh, well. <laughs> I won't say anything else. <laughs> But, you know, we're not just trying to make you happy. We are doing and sharing a blended music in our church because we feel it's the right thing to do. 
We feel it's the right thing to do. I, as pastor, feel it's the right thing to do. I want my grandchildren to be a part of our Christian story and our Christian heritage. I want them to know stories about people like Fanny Crosby, John Newton, and the powerful impact that they've had on the Christian faith. I want them to know about the wonderful music that Bach wrote that we we sing and handle. And I also want them to be part of this generation as they continue to express and create music. And I want us to be sharing that in our service. That's my, as pastor, it's not because we're trying to please everybody. It's because we feel it's the right, we're a family. We're a family. And we, we have a history. And we have new things going on. And we want to be a part of that and allow God's work through Christian creativity and the arts to continue and to progress. And it's an area that we want to be part of our church. Our history is important. Our history is important. So what we are doing in this church, I believe, as we gather each week, we are doing what the early church did. There are many today who are writing books and suggesting, Christians, you don't need the church. That the organized church is no longer important. I don't agree with that. I see the organized, the gathering of the Christian community as a very important part of my family's life and of your life. We may not always agree with each other. We may get mad at each other. We may love each other. Uh, we, we're a happy church, you know. But um, we are a family. And as we gather as a family, we want to do what God's people have always been doing. The Word of God needs to dwell in this family richly through teaching and preaching, through fellowship and being a part of each other's lives and sharing our prayer requests and sharing our burdens and sharing our joys. We want to be a place where God's Word is proclaimed and people hear the gospel, the good news of salvation. We want to be a place where we can worship together. And as we worship together, and music is such an important part, and God has blessed this church. God has blessed this church with so many people who are willing to share their ministry of music. And I'm so thankful for that. And as they do so, I want to remind you, it is a spiritual ministry of teaching and worship that God has given us. We are fortunate to have a church home and a place where we can worship that way. And let's continue to enjoy the music in our service this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this group of young people. Lord, I want to thank you for their just their cheerfulness, the way they treat each other, and this, not only the things they've learned, Father, but we see it in their lives. And that's, that's what matters. Is they, they're taking the things they've learned about knowing you, loving you, loving others, caring for others, sharing the gospel, building each other up, being part of a church family, and we see it flow out of their lives. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We ask your blessing on each one of them. Lord, protect them, guide them, care for them, and continue to lead them in your service and walking with you. In Christ our Savior's name, the family of God, say together, Amen. Amen. Young people, once you be dismissed, go ahead and go on front. Go ahead. Go ahead. Very good. Thank you.